advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do, but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with Kate Solisti, a veteran interspecies communicator, speaker, author, educator, and president of Kinship Enterprises, whose mission is to help human caregivers better understand, care for, and communicate with their beloved animals. I have always been a skeptic, but there's something about Kate that has made me take that leap of faith and believe. This is her story. Who is Kate Solisti, please? <laughs> Who is Kate Solisti? <laughs> Okay, um, that's a lovely way to start. Who is Kate Solisti? Uh, I am someone who is passionately uh, committed to animals in terms of being a voice for animals, in, in teaching people how to care for their animals and to understand that animals are conscious, feeling, thinking beings who are also and can also be our teachers they're not like babies or younger children they are they are amazing wisdom keepers whether that's the dog in your you know in your home uh the kitty on the bed the horse in the barn or the bear in the backyard or the mountain lion you've read about or the panda or the or the great blue whale and i started out as an animal communicator professionally in my 30s, I guess. Um, and But I, I, I was able to hear the thoughts, really perceive the thoughts and feelings of animals when I was a child. And I, I remembered, uh, you know, it, 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 I actually, there's a story about why I stopped doing that, why I shut it down um, but I came in wide open, which meant I wasn't hearing voices, but I was, I was receiving information, thought to thought, telepathy, getting pictures, getting feelings from my, the animals in my own home, which were cats, and then the animals in my yard in the suburbs in New Jersey, in the United States. And uh, so 
Uh, but the humans in my life didn't, the other, the rest of the humans didn't have that same opening. Um, so that became uh, a challenge. Um, but, th but now having been a professional animal communicator because I put my shingle out, my sign saying, yes, I'm going to do this um, almost 30 years ago, which makes me an old timer in the field. Oh. <laughs> uh, expert, and, expert. Um, <laughs> well, certainly a specialist and uh, very, very grateful that I have been able to write and speak on behalf of animals. Cause I, I feel very blessed that I can do both because sometimes people are good speakers, but not good writers and vice versa. So I feel like those abilities I have are, are in service to animals, to the planet, uh, to people who are willing to listen. I am not here to change anybody's minds. If the animals can do that through me, I'm all over it. Um, I'm just here for those people who are open, who are ready to learn, to ready to listen. Uh, and it's not about proving anything, um, but it is about giving voice. So that's my, that's what I, that's my passion. That's my purpose. That's my service. That's, that's that. And of course there's, you know, who else is Kate Celesti? There's other things too. I'm a wife, I'm a mother. Um, uh, I'm a sister. <laughs> I'm a daughter, uh, those things too. So, so, and a friend. So when you were a wee youngin, you, you could already perceive and speak to the animals around you. Um, how, how old roughly were you when, when you had that consciousness or you just, you know, like ever since you could remember? Yeah, some of my earliest memories are of, of being able to know what my what the cats were were thinking. And I I could also I also knew what people were thinking, which of course was trickier. <laughs> that must have been right? so challenging for you, um, being so young and so innocent and so open, surrounded by adults who are usually more cynical and closed. Um, by the time they re reach adulthood, they're you know, they're they're quite closed and and uh, earthbound, you know, like very, you know, practical people. Um, there must have been very difficult to to be able to share with people what you will be able, what you were able to do, and not be ridiculed all the time or you know scolded and saying like, "Shut up, don't say anything." Well, it you know when I was very little, so I because I was a firstborn child, I was very verbal. And, uh, and so I would tell my parents, you know, at the age of two, the cat said this and the rose bush said that. And, you know, when you're two, it's kind of cute mm. because everybody thinks you have a vivid imagination and isn't that sweet? Mm. She's, you know, thinks she's talking to, you know, the plants and animals. But as I, as I got older, I, and I, and it's interesting, Amherst, because I perceived that there was a door in me that was open so I could receive this, but I didn't, everybody else's doors were closed. They had the doors, but they seemed to be closed. And I didn't, I didn't see anyone with open doors. And so I felt like, well, all right, I'll just do this with my beloved cat. And, and, you know, he actually said to me when he was a kitten and my father had given him to me, let's just do this together. Let's not talk to them about it because it's too difficult for them. And I was relieved and kind of sad at the same time. Um, but 
my family, yes, they, they started to think that it was strange. They told me it was just my imagination. Of course, I didn't know exactly what that meant, but it was something other than what I thought, it, right? It's, it's even if you, if you say to a small child, oh, that's not real, that's your imagination. They don't know what imagination is, but they know it's not okay, right? They know something is not okay with their parents. And of course, all children want to be accepted and, and loved. And so many children, I believe most children come in open, mm-hmm. you know, able to perceive all kinds of things that are in the unseen world. And some children talk about it and then get shut down. Other children just don't talk about it and then close it down because it's, again, it's that desire to fit in, to be accepted, to, to, you know, to not r- rattle anybody's cages, um, unless you're a total rebel. And <laughs> I guess you don't care, which I was somewhat of a rebel, but not in that way. Cause it was too important to me. It was too precious. It was too special. Um, that relationship really between me and the animals and, and the natural world. So I wasn't about to push that in people's faces and just constantly get slammed for it. So, so how did you, so how did you reach your journey to become a professional animal communicator? I mean like that journey from childhood to 30 years old, for instance, you know, um, did you try other things in life or, you know, what was it like? Was it a windy road or was it a pretty straight path? <laughs> no, it wasn't a straight path. <laughs> so I, when I shut it down, when I was about eight, I, I shut down, you know, because basically what had led to that shutting down was not just hearing my family, you know, my, my parents say that this was my imagination. But when I was in first grade, um, my beloved cat, my beautiful orange tabby, said to me, you know, you're, you need to now go to school and apply yourself. And I love you very much. And our work together is done. And then he went out and got hit by a car and I was devastated. It was horrible. I, I, it just, you know, I couldn't imagine life without him. And, um, part of me died with him. It felt like, and I got very sick and I, uh, had to get my tonsils out. And back in the 1960s, you would go into the hospital and everybody was wearing green and it was completely sterile. There was nothing on the walls. The beds were metal. It was horrifying. And I was terrified. And, um, but I, I remember being wheeled in to have the surgery and being put under anesthesia. And when I was under anesthesia, I felt someone pick me up and hold me close. And I kind of burrowed in and I smelled the familiar smell of Dusty's fur. And I heard him say to me, it's not your time. You have work to do and I'll always be with you. And the animals will always be with you. And I, you know, then I went under, had my tonsils out, woke up with my family around me, but I started to think, okay, I wasn't like, oh, yippee, I get to stay. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> um, I'll stay, but I don't know how to do this and, and, and fit in. So that's when I shut it, started shutting it down. By the time I was eight, I had shut down so much, except I couldn't forget some of the very profound conversations Dusty and I had, not just conversations between a little girl and a cat, but two souls. 
really connecting. So then after I shut it down, I did everything that was quote unquote normal. I went to school and did, you know, played sports and I loved music and theater. And I think that was my real creative outlet. That's where I put my, that sensitivity of mine um, because I'd really had to banish the most sensitive parts of myself. So then later in my twenties, I decided to go to therapy for the usual stuff with one's parents. <laughs> and I discovered a whole part of me was missing. And working with the therapist, I discovered it was that feminine intuitive little girl that I had banished. So I began to work to reintegrate her and tell her it was safe, excuse me, it was safe to come back and that I would take care of her. So when that happened in my late twenties, I lived in Washington DC and I was working for a conservation organization because I always loved nature and the planet. But then when, what, what happened to me first was I started to hear the trees, the trees in my neighborhood started to communicate with me. And because I was old enough and had been through enough, I knew I wasn't crazy. And I knew this felt so right because it took me back to that time where I was tuned in. So that's, that's how the, the professional piece started. But at first I had to learn how to get out of my way, what got in the way of hearing or receiving information. And so I didn't have books. I didn't have anybody's guidance. I was just taught by the trees. And my own dog wasn't speaking to me much then, but <laughs> he, he was kind of a tough teacher, but eventually he did. And so I had an opportunity to move from Washington DC to Santa Fe, New Mexico, which as you know, is a place where a lot of people explore all kinds of modalities, healing modalities, things like Reiki and psychic work and all that stuff. And I was in a Reiki class and so one of my student, fellow students came up to me and he said, hi, I'm a professional psychic and I'd like to take you on as an apprentice. And I went, me? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, at that point, I had no idea what a psychic did. This was back in the 19... Uh, late 80s, early 90s. And so I said, uh, okay, that's what, what does an apprentice to a psychic do? He said, I don't know, but I'm just guided to take you on. So Christian took me on. And the first thing he did was give me the time life series on psychic phenomenon. <laughs> these are, these are a series of books that time put out that don't talk about. And I just, when I looked at him like, really, this is where we start. And he said, seems as good a place as any. <laughs> but then what he did was he helped me identify how my intuition worked and what I was able to perceive. In other words, I wasn't good at numbers. Unfortunately, I can't pick lottery numbers. <laughs> but I see pictures and I get feelings. And I eventually started to get information that I could express in words, which I refer to as telepathy. So technically, I'm clairvoyant. You know, we, we, people say, well, this is a lot of woo-woo. And I say, oh, really? Well, if it didn't exist, why do we have names for it? Why do we have names for telepathy? Thought-to-thought -thought transfer. Why do we have the words clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient, clairagustus? Why do we have those if those things don't exist? We don't name things that don't exist. So of course they do, those different extrasensory perceptions. But we all have this ability, right? Um, you know, you have feelings with the animals you work with and you just know things, right? I mean, 
you have these feelings and because you act on them, you've learned that you're right. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Don't you have feelings like that? Yeah. 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 Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the more we practice with it, because you're working with animals too, they're nonverbal. They're not going to say anything to you, right. but they're going right. to send you thoughts and send you feelings. And you, you've also learned to observe them. And the more you observe, the more you pick up subtleties, right? The more you pick up subtle stuff. And then it begins to really start to work with your intuition. Mm-hmm. And the more you practice, it's like a muscle, right? Mm-hmm. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. And that's when I teach, uh, it's all about trusting what you get and, and acting on it, whether it's just writing down something that you think you received, or it's a very important message, like we've got to go to the vets um, because I've got, you know, I've got something serious here and it's in my hip and we better get to the vet and you act on it, right? Mm-hmm. And the vet goes, well, I didn't find anything. And you say, keep looking, I know something's there. And then they find it, they find this little fracture or they find, you know, something. And that's acting on your intuition. So then it gets to grow and get stronger. So I became a professional kind of, the, the universe pushed me into it. It, it did not, it, it wasn't like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna put up a shingle and say, I'm a professional animal communicator. I didn't even know what that was at first, right? Mm-hmm. Because back in the eighties and nineties, there were very few people who said that they were anything like that, whether they called themselves a psychic, an animal communicator, an interspecies communicator, um, whatever, uh, an intuitive, an animal intuitive, or nothing at all. There were very few people. There were a few people. um, uh, Beatrice Lidecker was one who wrote a book. uh, Penelope Smith, uh, who became kind of a she was a mentor in a way I never studied with her, but just knowing she was there and reading her writings and getting, you know, being on in her newsletter and all of that, she also gave me uh, uh, permission in a big way to trust what I was doing and to put it out there back in those early years. And then different things started to happen that just kept pushing me, you, you're going to do this. <laughs> okay, okay. And I'm very glad that I trusted that and was able to create a career out of it. Uh, and, you know, that's a pretty unusual thing, but I, 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 I know this is real. I know everyone has abilities. Some, you know, it's kind of like music in terms of some people have a very, you know, are, have an incredible aptitude for music. Other people, it's hard, you know, it's a struggle. Same with math or sports, right? We all have different talents and gifts. So, th- but this intuitive muscle, if you will, or this intuitive ability comes easier to some people and it's harder for others to access it, but we all have it. We all have intuition, right? Mm. Yes. So did that answer your question? It was kind of a long-winded answer. No, I love long, <laughs> I love stories. I like I like sitting and listening to stories. Um, that's my deal. Um, it's you know listening to you. I'll be honest. You are my very first animal communicator, like that I've actually like interviewed proper. And uh-huh. I have I grew up in a very I had a very difficult childhood, a dysfunctional family, and my father was into a lot of esoteric teachings and religion. 
So oh, he wow. he was into praying and being possessed by a spirit and and things like that. And oh. and I think that was one of the reasons why my parents' marriage broke down because my mother wasn't into that. You know, it's just a state of mind. And growing up, when my parents divorced, I lived with my father. So he 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 taught us at a very young age. He would make us wake up like at about like five in the morning to meditate and pray. You know, to different different deities. So I I grew up very confused in the oh. because you know that's the one hand my father was into Sai Baba. I don't know if you heard of Satya Sai Baba in India. Oh. And he was into so he went to all the the Hindu temples. You know, uh-huh. so we used to go for bhajans and pujas in uh-huh. the Hindu temples uh-huh. like once a week. Uh-huh. And then he and then he decided to take make us go to Buddhist Sunday school after that. So every Sunday, we would also go to Buddhist Sunday school, you know, and spend a day there, you know. Um, ironically, my father didn't like Christianity. I think it had, he, didn't he didn't like Christianity, you know, Christian, oh. Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have mm-hmm. a feeling that was personal because my mother was a baptized Christian. So, you know, with, with growing, you know, parents and, and all that. So I grew up very torn because I had these two warring parents who hated each other. Though they'll tell you today that they didn't hate each other, but they really, you know, made life difficult for the children. We were, we were the casualties of war, <laughs> so to speak, my brother and I. So I, I grew up very confused about spirituality. Like on the one hand, you know, my father was trying to teach us about meditation, opening up our third eye, um, you know, and being receptive of things around us. But at the same time, because of his behavior, and I realize now, because I'm older, by that time, you know, I looked at my father and he, he, he was an angry man as well. You know, he was a very bitter man because of the d- divorce. So on the one hand, he talks about religion, but what he practices and preaches, you know, it's two different things because of how he behaved towards my mother, or, you know, I could see, you know, as children, you sort of see things very, very clearly, you know, it's like, you're lying, it's bullshit, why double standards, but so when we try to verbalize that at a very young age, you know, I got into a lot of trouble for that, you know, so <laughs> I grew up resenting whatever my father represented, if you, if you, if you understand what I mean, you know, because I grew up in, in such a chaotic with chaotic childhood so whatever my father like taught to us you know I, I put up a barrier of resistance and for many many years I didn't want to go near all that esoteric stuff you know right. because it, it just the, associ- the negative association with my father was very very strong you know and it was o- it's only in the last couple of years where I, I started to feel a calling to uh, for a nicer word to unscrew my head <laughs> to start healing my heart you know or, or to put it very crudely unfuck myself <laughs> you know because I had so much pain from the past that I held on to for so many years even to today you know I'm still working on forgiveness and letting go and for the last couple of years it's been truly um, a journey of 
self-discovery for myself and it's been very painful. It's not been rosy and sunshine because you deal with a lot of, you know, that all that darkness and, you know, like you have to really think like, why, why, you know, keep asking why, why and face it and, and, and to be, to recognize you know, like all that's in the past and you have to let go, but it's so hard at the same time, <laughs> you know. But thanks to my my journey with animals, and then I started to volunteer with animals about 2011, 2012, that I think my heart started to slowly open up again, you know. And and as I as I started to rescue animals and foster, and then when I realized that, you know, the kibble diet wasn't the answer to everything. And I started to try and research into, you know, alternative holistic modalities. That's when slowly, you know, seeing the past and, you know, recognizing energetics and spirituality, you know, it's, I started to be a little bit more open to it. Because like you said, we closed the door, you know, for whatever reason, the doors are closed for most of us. So for me, it was... Uh, a very pain. It still is a journey for me, you know. And for the longest time, even in my rescue work, we have you know people who talk about animal communication in the local community. But I'll be honest, because of my bad experience with my father, you know, yeah. I was even today I'm so skeptical when people tell me that. And then I look at them and I look at the results and what results have you shown, you know? Because not all of them are spot on or you know. Right. Sometimes they it's a lot of sweet talking and I don't I don't see it, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah, see it. yeah. So locally I have to be very honest, I've never used an animal communicator. Even, you know, like so mm -hmm. but because of my journey of self-healing, it truly is self-healing. Um, you know, and then I started this podcast to really like talk to people I admire and, and learn new things, you know, that's how I found you. It's really funny, you know, because I, I knew about, I found out about Dr. Jean Hovey, you know, and through my interview with her and she mentioned you and she talked to me, you know, and I'm like, you know, I was at that stage and I think truly the universe is like, they will open doors for you when they know you're ready to, yes. you know, when, when you have that resistance, they don't, they, they won't do it, you know, but slowly you know so I you know listening to you it's I feel a lot of a lot of deep stirring emotions to your story you know mm -hmm. even you know as a child and and your cat and during your surgery as well you know my I had tears starting to well up in my eyes because you know I I you know I, I felt something stir in my heart listening to you you know and you know it's like I want, I think that's the yearning where I want to find someone who's truly authentic and real and genuine. Mm -hmm. and, and I actually put this question out to the universe before I even <laughs> interviewed Dr. Dr. Hovey as well. So, you know, I was like, I really want to speak to someone who is truly an animal communicator, like exactly you, you know? And it was just amazing when she just, you know, mentioned your name and I was like, <laughs> you know I asked I asked and I was guided to you you know and you know I you know and it just makes me very humble 
I, I, I really feel very humbled. This interview um, is very special for me because it touches on a, on a spiritual level, you know, that uh, it's very private. You know, even sharing, deciding to share this story about my life with you, you know, uh, and having it recorded as well, you know, uh, it, it takes, it, it took a lot of time for me to even get to this stage to be able to open up and share my story, you know, and I, I, I truly feel it's because it's you, you know, something oh. about you that, yeah, I can feel my heart. It's just... Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. And it is very, very tough when we're kids and we get all this conflicting information, especially when it's, it's, it's all that personality stuff from our parents tied up around it. You know, I, I know because, you know, my parents have a <clears throat> challenging relationship and, uh, you know, I was the first daughter and I was supposed to be a boy and I have three younger sisters. And so there was a lot of crap and I'm very sensitive. So, you know, so I know it's, it's, and I spent a lot of time trying to overcome stuff that I, you know, that was layered on me uh, too. So I, I understand and, and uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> religion wasn't an issue in my family. My father didn't go to church. My mother's father was an, a minister, but he was truly someone who was connected to source. He was that kind of a special person. Um, and so I think some of what I am had to have come from him because of his, he knew we were all connected, that you know we are one family. It doesn't matter what religion we are or you know race or color or whatever, none of it. You know, he really lived that at a time when not a lot of people were, right? In the 40s and 50s and um, he died when I was nine. So I didn't get to really, you know, I didn't share any of this with him. Uh, I don't know what he would have made of it. Um, but I think some of that connection piece must have come from him because it sure didn't come from anybody else. <laughs> um, understand, understand. I am, I'm the black sheep in the family for certain. Um, so, you know, one of my one sister believes in what I do, absolutely. Um, my, another sister, kind of, <laughs> um, and she's taken my advice on nutrition, you know, she, you know, that's good. The other sister, no, doesn't believe it, doesn't believe it. And my father thinks I'm scamming people, which is hurtful on so many levels. My mother kind of, I mean, she's referred people to me. I mean, she said, you should call my daughter Kate. <laughs> And she has listened to me about some things. And I will say in the last couple of years, my father's actually asked me about nutritional things. He won't ask me anything spiritual because there's not a spiritual bone in his body. <laughs> so, you know, so, but he, that's like the one thing we can actually talk about is the cats because he loves his kitties. He's 93 oh. and my parents have their cats and love them. And so he will ask me, he doesn't always do what I say, but sometimes he does. So it's tough. And, and most of the world, Amaris, you know, has the kind of, it's, it's so rare to find someone who's had a really nice, loving upbringing, right? I mean, most of it's rough. Yeah. And, but it's where, it's how, as hard as it was, and for you and for me and Dr. Jean and so many people that you know, 
it's what makes us grow into who we need to be, right? It does contribute. It's, it's you know, the, there was a famous quote about, it's the inner overcomings that make us the strong and passionate people that we are. If we didn't have any challenges, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to get out in the world and do a lot of what we need to do unless we are here just to live a very simple, quiet life, which for some people that's lovely, right? They don't have to um, do a big thing, whatever that big thing is. Not everybody's wired to do that. That's perfectly fine. Um, but some of us he are here on a mission and, and yours, obviously some, so much of yours is to be a voice, is to learn and grow and become the fullness of who you are, having been exposed to your mother's beliefs, your father's beliefs, and then the animals came to you to open your heart and open you to this interspecies connection that, as you learned, is very spiritual, mm. right? Yeah. Because it's that unconditional love and that, you know, that connection to what everybody talks about with the divine, right? The divine, whatever your divine is is usually unconditionally loving and there to help you and there to support you when, when times are tough. And what do our dogs and cats do? Mm. They're always there. They love us. They're here to support us. And then when we help them, we're in service. We feed them. We care for them. We learn how to feed them and care for them better. It feeds everybody, right? We all, we all grow. We all, we all become better beings, our souls are able to express more because we've, we've become part of that generous reciprocity. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always believed that animals are angels sent from heaven. That's always been my, my, my take on it. And that, you know, their, their mission on earth is to teach us to be better human beings, regardless of whether we end up eating them or we end up taking care of them as companion animals, you know, um, albeit, the, you know, the bird that we see on the tree outside our window. You know, I always believe that these are angels sent from heaven and it's up to us whether we are open and receptive to, to what they have to say, you know. And for a long time, like I said, my door was closed, shut. Or, you know, it's like, always that warring part where you think you should open up, but you're not sure you don't trust, you know, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and whether, whether or not, you know, are you, are you being a fake imposter? You know, is it all in your head? You know, sure. so yeah. it's, it's thanks to my work with the animals, you know, these few years that uh, I think have guided me in, in a very, the most profound way, better than I think my school teachers <laughs> in school, you know, nothing, right. nothing in school prepared me for this. I have to be honest, you know, and, and I realized that, uh, you know, life is more than just books and, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's about something a lot more raw and, and deep within oneself. You know, it's not just about, material success because I live in Asia where you know economies are booming and it's a very materialistic world that we live in so yeah. so you know you always have people you know wanting to be successful that that is the number one goal in in life here 
you know that's what yeah. you're taught in life as well you know when you're young it's like you have to be successful what is successful you got to earn a lot of money <laughs> you got you you got to have your own home your own car you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but i found that actually very very uh, shallow you know mm-hmm. uh, because i've seen a lot of successful people and i mixed with them and they're extremely unhappy people because they're so empty inside you know and i think that's why i i chose to mix with animals instead of more humans at that point in time because i i didn't want i didn't want to deal with all that that uh, superficial crap you know whereas to me i think animals were a lot more real even though they couldn't communicate english to english but <laughs> like you said you know there's always this instinctive feeling that you get when you're working with them you know uh just being with them you know they they they're extremely forgiving my dog is so forgiving because i have such a bad temper <laughs> so my dog has seen me explode and have like expletives in the house when i when i lose my temper like why is the computer working <laughs> you know uh but you know she she still you know the poor soul she's been the brunt of a lot of things she's so sensitive you know um but i love her to bits you know uh it's it, yeah animals are amazing and that's why what you do fascinates me now i think if we were to have this discussion 20 years ago i don't think i'll be prepared for this interview or even wanting to talk to you i'll be really honest you know but you know uh the way the universe has guided me in such a way is that you know i'm drawn to to you and your message you know and and i'm so curious like how you overcame your own personal struggles and obstacles because it it was a lot you know it's a lot to do with like mindset and believing in yourself and not and not worrying so much about other people's expectations because we all want to feel loved like you said we want to be accepted and somehow you overcame all that you know and and to have the courage to to put up your shingle as you as you put it you know um when you started you know were you working were you doing something else before that sure um you know my mother my mother um there's there's a couple of get well you know there's many gifts if we if we choose to see them from our parents um the gift from my father was and and this was interesting because it was told to me by someone who was uh, my my father had sent me to have tea with this lady and he told me she was going to straighten me out because i was so rebellious and i argued with him about everything and because i was very frustrated with how close-minded he was and stuff anyway i went to see her thinking oh god here's another person that's going to lecture me on you know what i should and shouldn't do and she had me to tea and she she looked at me and she said your father's very difficult. And I looked at her and she said, but you know what the gift is? The gift is that you at the age of 18, cuz I was just about to start college. She said, you really know who you are and what matters to you. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> right? And I thought, huh, I mean this was one of those angels, right, that come out of the blue and tell you something really important at a really important time. Mm. and it was a gift it was like oh so all those battles all that crap was because now i you know now i have a sense of who i am and i'm not afraid to be who i am which was 
Yeah. Um, that, so that was the gift from him, from her. She was a brilliant coach. She, she coached uh, girls lacrosse and field hockey and she loved theater, um, which is where I, she and I connected on that. But she, um, she was her own person. You know, she wasn't, she, you know, they had a bizarre relationship, but you know, her, her ability to be who she was and teach and coach and, you know, uh, she was a, a puppeteer, a marionette. Uh, she did, you know, so she set an example of go out and do what you, you know, be who you are, do, do what matters to you. You know, it doesn't, you know, even though, you know, this, these other people may not like it or may, you know, you'll, you'll find a way. And so, and again, it was not something she ever said to me. It was just the role model. So I think when, when these abilities came back to me and I started to cultivate them and then the universe kept putting things in front of my face that made me say, oh, I, I'm going to do more of this. I'm, you know, I got led, my, my, my um, psychic friend that I told you about that was teaching me, at one point he said to me after we figured out how I receive, he said, so what do you want to do with this? And I said, well, Christian, I don't want to be a human psychic. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I just, I, I just want to help the animals. He says, good, because I made an appointment for you tomorrow afternoon to go talk to this friend of mine who has, you know, of course he's psychic, right? has a sick golden retriever and you know we and I just looked at him like uh what uh, uh, and he said it's okay you know just go and just see what comes it's all right and that actually was a very profound um thing that happened which do you want to hear that story or yes, is that please. Too long? yes please okay okay so <clears throat> I was pretty petrified because I didn't know what was going to happen and uh so I went to this lady's house and I was greeted by a very happy golden retriever. And she said, oh, that's Sophie um, Chauncey's aunt. I said, okay. She led me in and there was this beautiful golden lying down on his bed. And she said to me, this is Chauncey and Chauncey has tumors all over his body. And the vet says he can't operate because there won't be any dog left. And she said, so I know you're just starting out. I, I know Kristen told me, but if you can get any information that will help me help him, I would be so great. So I took a deep breath and I sat down with Chauncey and asked if I could pet him and he was very fine. You know, he was very sweet. And I said, Chauncey, I, I said it out loud. I said, Chauncey, um, you're very sick and your person is very worried about you. Is there anything you can tell us that will help her help you? And then I just waited. And all of a sudden, this movie started to play in my head. And I saw this woman with three puppies, one of which was him <clears throat> as a puppy. And she was bathing and grooming and fussing over the other two and completely neglecting him. And I, I'm just speaking this as I'm seeing it. I said, I'm seeing this. This is what I'm seeing. And I just spoke it. I, I was able to just trust it and go with it. Um, and so I just said it. And she said, and I said, so you were paying all, you know, you were, you were uh, grooming and, 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 and paying all this attention to the other two puppies and you were leaving him out. And then you got in the car with the other two and you left. And in that moment, Chauncey felt that you didn't care about him. And she went, oh my God. She said, I was taking the puppies to the dog show so that people could be interested in them and, and, and hopefully buy them. He was my favorite. 
and I was keeping him. That's why I didn't take him. But of course, she never told him. She never said, Chauncey, you're going to stay home. You're my beloved dog. You're, you're staying with me. I'm just going to, you know, she never thought to explain that. And because she was, she did healing work with people, he started to take on people's pain and people's stuff. And if you're familiar at all with the work of Louise Hay, she talked about, you can heal your body, you can heal your life. Those are a couple of books that she wrote. One in her book, You Can Heal Your Body, she associated uh, different illnesses with different emotional patterning. And she said about tumors, tumors are holding on to old hurts. And he was holding on to everybody's old hurts. So when I said this story, I, I, so this little movie stopped playing when she said, oh my God. And, I, and then she turned to him and she started to cry and she said, I love you so much. And I, I, I will do anything to help you stay. And it was one of the only times, Amaris, that I actually heard a voice say, all is forgiven. And we both just sat there, looked at the dog and looked at each other. And uh, I kind of went, um, okay, <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. And uh, she said, thank you so much. And she, she looked at me, she held my hands. She said, I know he's going to be okay. And I'm like, I hope so. <laughs> what, what do I say? I hope so. So <clears throat> a, uh, a week went by and uh, she called me and she said, I have to tell you something. I said, what? She said, uh, I took Chauncey to the vet because after you, you, you were here, he got up, he wanted to eat. He started to drink again. He, you know, wanted to go outside with his aunt and he started to, you know, he really perked up. So I took him to the vet and the vet said, well, you know, animals rally. It's very common that they, they're not ready. So they'll rally. And she said, uh, this isn't just a rally. He's going to be well. And, you know, the vet said, <laughs> okay. Two weeks later, she took him back and the tumors were gone. And the, and the vet said, uh, can't explain this one. She said, I can. <laughs> and of course, she didn't tell him because he wouldn't have believed it anyway. But she then called me and told me that. And I was um, astonished. And she said, you need to keep doing this work. And I said, uh, okay, <laughs> uh, I'm ha happy to, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just listening and speaking. And that's how it began. And then I volunteered to work at my vet. Um, I knew she was okay with Reiki, with energy work being done on animals. And I had obviously, you know, I mentioned that's how I met Christian, this, the psychic who was my mentor. And uh, so I volunteered, I called up my vet and I said, I would love to come and do Reiki on recovering animals, thinking that this is perfect because I can listen to them. I can help them with the Reiki. I can listen and ask. I can then kind of, you know, in a sneaky way, find out what the, what, what's really, you know, I can get, get the confirmation that this is what happened to them. This is what we did, da, da, da. So she said, sure, that'd be great. You can come in and, you know, you can come in and we've made a date. Before I even went in, she called me back and she said, listen, I have a cat that isn't eating and we've tried everything and he'll eat for a little while, then he stops. Can you find out what's wrong? <laughs> I did another one of, well, 
Ah, uh, I never said a word, Amaris, about listening to the animals. So I, again, the universe is going, <laughs> right? I said, okay, <laughs> okay. So I, I, you know, I went in and there she was and she said, well, let's go ask him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I said to him, here was this cute little orange kitty, skinny. And I said, so buddy, what's, what's going on with you? And he started saying a lot. And he said, oh, this is so much fun. I get so much attention. They come in and they pet me and they worry about me and they, you know, and then they offer me all different things. But if I eat too much, they don't come back. So I just eat a tiny bit. And then, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I said, buddy, you're getting a lot of attention for not eating, aren't you? And he went, yeah. And I go, but, but you're not eating, you're eating so little that you're not, your body is going to go, you're not going to be able to stay in your body. You're going to need to eat so that people can love you and pet you and, and all of that. And he was like, oh, huh, didn't think about that. <laughs> he just, he was happy getting all this extra attention because, you know, everybody was fussing. I, obviously, that's an important lesson, right? So, um, so I said that to Sheila, to my vet, that, you know, he's getting a lot of attention and we need to give him attention for eating, not for not eating. And she was all over that. And so uh, she talked to his person and she, you know, he, she took him home and there was a little bit of backsliding. And uh, so the person asked me to come and, and uh, again, I was nervous. This is only the third time, right? That I, <laughs> and so I looked at him again and I said, so, you know, what are you, he goes, oh, I'm getting treats. I said, oh, what are your treats? And you know, in the beginning, sometimes information can come really fast, really quickly. You know, now I've practiced for so long, it doesn't happen. I can, you know, I can receive it and pace it. But then it was like, and I saw three white things, white blobby things. And I thought, oh, <laughs> and I said, um, to this person, I said, are you giving him something white that for a treat? And she kind of looked at me and she said, well, I, I, I give him ice cream sometimes. I said, okay, um, anything else? She thought about it. And I said, I saw three, three things, but I couldn't quite make that. She said, butter, I've given him butter. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> but she couldn't think of the third thing, couldn't think of the third thing. And I said, and then I talked to her, I said, okay, it's okay to maybe give him a little of this, but make sure that you're also giving, once he starts on that, you're giving him cat food and it's good cat food. And she said, yeah, I know, I know. He just, he just stalls. And I said, well, that's a way to get what he wants, but that's not going to help him get well. And she got it. And then, then as I was, you know, I just thought, well, the third thing, yeah, whatever, you know. And then as I was getting ready to leave, she stopped me and she went, oh, I give him raw biscuit dough. And I went, raw biscuit dough? Um, maybe better stick with the ice cream and the butter. <laughs> Why in the world? Because of course he was interested in it, right? He came up and was like, oh, what's that? What's that? <laughs> so, you know, so that was, that was like, you know, the, the, the next experience. And it just, things just kept coming to me. And in fact, I met a woman who had studied briefly with Penelope and, and she had me interviewed in the, in the Santa Fe, New Mexican, and it ended up being the Sunday featured article. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and 
phone calls, 40 phone calls, you know, and I'm like, I guess I'm supposed to do this. So that's kind of how it started and it just continued to grow and I continued to learn. And that's how I ended up adding flower essence therapy to what I do and nutrition. You know, Jean and I collaborated um, on lots of things and Dr. Jean Hovey, and uh, she's a dear friend of mine and she's an incredible holistic vet and she taught me a lot. And then, you know, we would work together with animals and, you know, with homeopathy and lots of things. So I just, I just kept learning and adding to my toolbox so that I could be of greater help to the animals and their humans. Um, and some animal communicators are just do that and others add other tools in the toolbox for the same reason, or they're just attracted to a modality. But Reiki is a wonderful way that people start to open their hearts and their intuition and allow more of their soul to express through them. So I've learned through the years that a lot of people open, not just to animal communication, but to their own spiritual yeah. calling or, or connections because of Reiki. It's a fantastic or fascinating thing about the whole opening of the, the top chakra, yeah. or I forget, what do we do? Bottom chakras first and then top chakras. You know, the, the um, Dr. Asui method was very specific where you open three chakras and integrate that Mm. for a while before yeah I think you opened the bottom ones and then you then you open the top ones but that you needed time to integrate that Reiki's taught a little quicker now and I I, I, I don't know I mean maybe because things have sped up and we <laughs> need, to, need to do it and get it but um, uh, it, it's a wonderful tool for opening to receive and, and, and develop your intuition so sorry oh, that, yeah no that's interesting that you mentioned that because I actually started about a year ago on um, watching this guy his name is Master Stephen Cole he's a student of Grandmaster Chua Sui who is the modern day founder of Pranic Healing oh okay yeah uh, okay. so he's like a Chinese Filipino but he's got um, centers around the world now and oh, so I've okay. been I've been following his YouTube or Facebook uh, videos you know uh, Master Ko and do practicing you know daily meditation and opening up the chakras and you know cleansing and the emphasis yeah. is always you have to open your heart and mind and cleanse before you can receive because if you don't clean your plumbing, it's going to be difficult to receive anything. This is true. Because you've got, so you've got a lot of old crap that you've got to clean out. You know, it's just like our kitchen sink. <laughs> if there's too much stuff in there, you don't clean it properly, it's going to get clogged up no matter what you do. So it's, it's very interesting you mentioned Reiki because Reiki um, energy work, you know, um, uh, energy healing is something that, you know, I've been fascinated about you know especially this uh past year year and a bit mm -hmm. and it links up to everything else in terms of spirituality because i mean like we are all made of energy <laughs> right you know and and if if we can understand that you know and translate that into our physical you know actions that will help a whole lot and answer a lot of questions why we do certain things you know but because we are not in sync with our spiritual self hence like you know uh look at the chaos around the world 
you know, yeah. simply put. But I, I'm just fascinated by, you know, when you when you talk about your conversations with these animals, like the dog, Chauncey, or the cat, you know, um, you you describe them with such personality. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, what fascinates me, and I think this is a question which I think a lot of pet parents are like, you know, is it true? Do they really have their own personality? Or is it just a... Dogs a dog, cats a cat. <laughs> they are all individuals, um, so different. Um, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as, you know, when people say, well, I'm not a cat person, I say, because you don't know any, <laughs> right? Or I'm not a dog person, they're too noisy or whatever. I said, well, you haven't had the honor of really knowing and being loved by a dog or a horse or, you know, um, no, they're all different. And I think one of one thing I'm so grateful for, Amaris, is that, and again, nobody taught me this, that I approach an animal with a clean slate, meaning I ask, who are you? And I'm here to serve you. You tell me what you want to be, you know, you want me to know and you want me to express to your people. I find that sometimes with students, and so I talk a lot about the importance, like you said, of getting the junk out of the way, right? And, and some of the junk is, as you, you know, our, our past experiences, like you shared with me, that made you want to get away from anything spiritual. Um, so our past experience, the belief systems we grew up with or that we have, the expectations, the assumptions, these are all things that clog you know, they get in the way of receiving clear communication. And an assumption can be, oh yeah, all Irish setters, they are so ditzy. You know, they're just, <laughs> and, and I never, even though I might become very familiar with a breed, I try to put all that aside and just meet them one-on-one. -on -one. Who are you? Who are you? Um, and I just, again, I just knew to do that. I, I never... You know, and so, but I, again, I, I often have to teach my students, it's very important. If you're familiar with a breed of horse or dog, you've got to put that aside because this being may be completely different. And if you've got that running in your, in your mind, you're going to use that as a filter. So whatever comes in that's different is going to bounce off and then you're going to get way off mm. <laughs> because, um, you know, you're, you're not going to see this being as the unique being that they are. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's really important because we all have our preconceived biasness, you know, our perceptions. We are so judgmental, you know, human beings. We are very egotistical. <laughs> it's all about me, myself and I, you know. And, and I've, I mean, I think that's why I've always been very skeptical with uh, spirituality, you know, since young, and then animal communicators, especially in, 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 in Singapore, because it's like, I don't know, man, you know, I see the way they talk, and I just don't feel that, I don't feel that spark, you know, that authenticity that I'm feeling with you, they're like talking, talking to you now, you know, I'm very humbled with you, I'm, I, you know, it's like, you know, like, I believe you, and I trust you, you know, oh, you know what I mean? But when I listen to them talk and I'm just thinking like, sounds like a lot of, I don't know. 
you know, it's the way they present, the way they talk, you know, maybe, maybe they can communicate at, at a certain level, but somehow because maybe, maybe it's me, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's because I look at them and I think they're charlatans, you know? <laughs> well, that, that's a, that's an expectation that could get in the way. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I'm, ex- yeah. I'm, I'm already in my head scammer, as you put it, you know? It's a scammer. Yeah. So, you know, I already have all these walls, you know. So, like I said, you know, it's like trying to find someone that I can speak to about this, you know, very honestly, very, you know, relaxed. And, you know, the universe guided me to you. <laughs> and, this co- and, you know, I, you know, it's like I am so grateful for this conversation, you know, and I, you know, it's like, I feel like, oh, we, we could talk more and more because I think you have so many stories. You've got, you know, you, you've got like at least well, 30 years plus of, of experience, you know, and, and dealing with animals. But what I'm curious is, you know, how did you get drawn into, you know, things like nutrition, for instance? Well, that's an easy one. Um, the animals were telling me that they have this mission with their person. You know, they're here to help their person with this, that, or the other thing. But they were so weak. You know, they just, they had no energy. And I'd say, well, why? And they'd say, because what she's feeding me has no energy. And I went, okay, then I need to learn something. So I began to study and I don't know if Dr. Jean Hovey mentioned to you that she uh, co-authored a couple of books with Dr. Celeste Yarnell. Yes. So I, I met Jean first, but then I went to a conference in New York City and that's where I met Celeste. And Celeste, you know, immediately talked to me about nutrition. And I had seen Dr. Pitcairn's book. One of the first books on dog and cat nutrition was Dr. Richard Pitcairn's book, but the recipes were, there's a lot of stuff in them. And I just kind of was a little intimidated and I wasn't sure. And so when I met, so I was still trying to, at that point, I didn't have a, oh no, I just gotten Azul, but I had my dog Molly and I was feeding her the best dog food I, I knew of at the time. <clears throat> but I, and I, and I, I'm sure I was feeding her, you know, some chicken and, you know, what people food, um, which is no more people food than it. I mean, it's what dogs are designed to eat too, of course. Um, uh, and so, but I met Celeste and she very quickly said to me, okay, this is really simple. I've created some simple supplements. Here's a simple recipe. Go home and and give this to your cat because my little kitty, who I'd actually gotten from Jean, he was born under Jean's desk, my Azul, my beautiful Himalayan that you see in the picture with me, in that picture, yeah, yeah, in my picture. That was Azul born under Jean's desk. And and Azul lived to be 20. Wow. Um, He was amazing. and so, um, uh, so what happened was, um, I, I tried this recipe. I, oh, Azul had had di- digestive issues. He he was having diarrhea all the time. And Jean said she tested things and said he's not producing enough enzymes. So I started to give him some enzymes. I didn't know anything about that. Then I put him on this raw diet with the supplements, and it all cleared up. I went, huh? Okay, I need to learn more about this because this is so easy. Celeste's recipe here with the sub, the right supplements. And so I just dove in and learned. And, and Jean was learning at that point too. We, so we kind of learned together. And um, it got to the point where I started teaching classes for people all around Denver, Santa Fe, um, uh, basically cooking classes 
for how to prepare a homemade, a balanced homemade diet for dogs and cats. And I love doing that. And, and then eventually some really good frozen raw came out and people, you know, different books came out and, you know, but that was all stuff that was happening kind of simultaneously. And when we put the animals on this better diet and things like yogurt, simple things, right? Uh, yogurt for dogs that have a lot of gas, gas gone. <laughs> um, so the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. But then the downside of that was the more I learned about really good nutrition. I also learned how awful the pet food industry is. And Jean, you know, that's a journey Jean and I did together too. Um, so that was the downside of learning about dog and cat nutrition. But it was a way to help the animals feel better, you know, live happier, healthier lives, and then accomplish their mission with their people. So that's how I got into nutrition. Flower essences, again, there was a need to help animals with, with who were rescues or emotional challenges. And I learned that from another holistic vet about the Bach flowers or batch flowers, which is the correct pronunciation, um, and have used those ever since. And then developed my own line of individual flower mm -hmm. essences as Jean did. And I actually helped her with hers. So all these connections. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, but it all evolved because there was a need, right? I, and then I also... After I studied Reiki and some other things, I started doing distance healing with animals as well. So I do that with some of my clients' animals. And, it, and again, I don't need to be with the animal. I work primarily from photographs. I can work, so that way I can work with anybody all over the world. So I don't have to be in the room with an animal, which was another thing I had to learn. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know that was even possible until somebody said, well, have you tried working from a photograph? And I said, uh, no, but okay. <laughs> let me give it a shot and found out that that really works for me. Wow. So <laughs> that's amazing because you know, you, you're a very interesting lady. I think you and you and Dr. Jean, um, you know, both of you have so many stories. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to meet up with her again and, and chat some more okay. and, and, you know, uh, she, you know, but one thing I, I've always, I think the two of you have in common is this love for life you have this mm -hmm. respect for life, both of you, and you're so open to learning, you know, and I think that's the key. And you're not afraid to collaborate and to share and to work together because I've, I've, I found, I've noticed there's some people who create or they craft their own, you know, skill, but they don't like to share. They, they, they hoard it, you know, the, you know, and I think it, it impacts their growth when they don't want to share, you know, whereas like people like you and Dr. Jean, you know, you guys are so open, you're willing to share and to give. And I like the word where you talk to the animal and the first thing you ask, like, who are you? How can I serve you? You know, um, that's a very important question and a very important, you know, like attitude, not just towards animals, but towards say human to human, you know, because I think... For people, whatever is your calling in life, you know, whether you become a someone in finance, a doctor, or a, 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 a chef, you know, or a seamstress, it's always about how can I serve to be the best version of me to help you be the best version of yourself. That's beautiful. I, I wish more people felt that. I mean, some people are very it's unconscious, right? It's, they just, they're drawn to those, those service oriented 
professions and careers because that's just how they're wired mm. is how I always describe it. That's how we're wired. Some people, you know, are wired to make a lot of money and that's just what they do. Um, and hopefully they become philanthropic and give a lot of it away. <laughs> but, um, but then others are here to serve, like you say, and, and your podcast, you're serving, you know, by, by sharing uh, my stories, Jean's stories, all these different stories. And I saw on your, on your uh, Facebook page too, all these interesting people who are doing so many good things in the world. You are serving, you are serving people, maybe some people who are, who are just waking up to all these possibilities. That's a huge gift, Amaris, because one of the things that I realized early on is that by being as quote unquote normal as I am, <laughs> I give people permission just by being who I am to do this, to, 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 to trust it, to be it. And, and that's, you know, with your podcast, you're saying, you know, there's so much that we can all learn and grow and become better people. Here are some people who are doing this, so you can too. Um, um, and that's a great gift that all of us can, you know, we can make a difference. If we make a difference in one life, how beautiful is that, right? Whether it's an animal's life, a person's life, um, the, the life of a tree, of a forest. I mean, you know, this, this, one of the things I wanted to say is that, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with people and their, and their beloved companions, but I, and I should say not, but I have a tremendous passion and mission to share the, the voices and the wisdom of the wild animals and the trees, because we humans really need to hear them. And so my, my, I have a, a YouTube channel, Kinship with Animals, that is really about those messages as, and they're short. And then some of them are longer because I do channelings of the wild beings with my membership community. And my membership community, we meet every Wednesday. We're going to meet later today. And I don't, it's not always a message from the wild ones. Today it will be because we're going to talk to the Council of Geese. Um, but we, I have all these beautiful recordings of these amazing wisdom and, and messages for us from all kinds of animals, from insects and whales and birds and everybody. And I've had the great honor and joy of going to Africa three times, uh, leading a trip, leading, uh, co-facilitating a trip about, you know, the whole idea is about communicating uh, to Africa. And I've had, you know, magical experiences with the elephants and the giraffe, giraffes and zebras and impalas and, you know, <laughs> wildebeests and, uh, oh my goodness, right? So all these beings we, that you say, as you say, these are the, you feel that these are angels put on the planet for, you know, to help us. And I have said for so long, they are here to help, especially dogs, cats, and horses, because they do have a special mission to help humans find their way back to love, to source. Mm -hmm. The wild ones have this bigger mission that isn't about us. <laughs> it's about the whole, which we are a part of, right? And they have so much they can teach us about cleaning up the mess that we've made. Yeah. So that is really important to me is to be able to get out, get it out to people that these are wisdom keepers. The native peoples used to call the animals our older brothers and sisters. They are our teachers. We are the students. We don't behave that way. We think we know everything and we certainly don't because they're all in balance and we're not. 
it's that simple. If we knew everything, we wouldn't be making the mess that we've made and we wouldn't be hurting each other the way and you know, doing all the damage. But we, when we connect, and this is what they teach us, when, when we remember, as you said, we're all energy, but we are, there's so much of this interweaving of our energies between you know, an elephant and a human and a giraffe and a bumblebee and a whale and a hummingbird, right? We're all, it's all part of this incredible planet we live on and some beings are even, you know, they're multi-dimensional beings and they're multi-planetary beings and they have those connections with beings from other places. <laughs> the animals do, some of them do. Um, and so we can learn so much if we just stop this and listen with this, with our hearts, right? So that is part of it. As I, as again, I'm going into the, you know, <clears throat> the 30 years ahead, I hope. Um, that's so much of my mission is to get their wisdom out uh, as best I can. So that's an important piece. I, I absolutely love helping people with their beloved companions. And I will continue to do that. Um, but there's an urgency, right? That we start listening to our older brothers and sisters and remember that we are part of them as Chief Seattle, as, as that, that quote attributed to Chief Seattle is what we do to the earth, we do to ourselves. And um, so the earth is our mother and all of us are her children. So listen to the other kids, <laughs> the older kids. <laughs> Well, you know, Kate, you're a beautiful soul. Um, you know, I, I'm very grateful to have been able to have this opportunity to speak to you. Uh, I know you're a very busy lady and I'm so thankful that we could reschedule this, you know, because, you know, it's, it's like, it's just one of those things that uh, is a very meaningful conversation. You know, I have gained so much just listening to you and... You know, I, I hope we can um, chat some more at a later date, you know, to share more mm -hmm. stories because I think your mission, your greater mission, you know, with the wild, wild species, um, that's something that I feel as well, you know, and I think a lot of people, uh, they need to listen, especially last year with COVID, that was a wake up call, that was a warning sign to everyone to stop navel gazing and being so self-centered honestly you know and to really start respecting the planet you know because we only have one planet <laughs> and I, I like to tell people like you know don't think that you're the most superior human species in the world because you're not because the minute we screw up and we kill off everything you know our food our trees our plants we destroy everything we're gonna die we'll go extinct the human species will be the first one to really go extinct permanently, you know. <laughs> Whereas once we are gone, Mother Earth will start healing herself. The, the trees, nature will, will, will heal. The new cycle will continue, you know, and they'll start fresh. To them, they'll probably be like, oh, thank God they're gone. <laughs> let's get, rid, let's get yeah. rid of these humans and we'll start afresh again. We'll start with the little amoebas. <laughs> Pond scum. We'll start with the pond scum again. You know. There you go. Pond scum. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's great. Uh, well, I, I, and I just hope we don't have to learn it that way. You know, I, you know, I, I, 
struggle sometimes to understand human beings. I, I truly do. I, I the, the ability to compartmentalize and to make, do this, this thing, because it's a brain thing. It's a duality thing. And our brain is not the source of our intelligence. You know, wisdom lives in the heart. Knowledge lives in the brain, but without the heart, it's all, it can make a big mess, which is exactly what we've done. Or as the seals said, you know, with this thing we call plastic, they didn't, you know, they just showed it to me, but of course that's what it's called. They said it's incomplete because everything on mother earth that's natural has a completion, meaning it is born, it develops, it matures, it decays, it dies and returns to the earth. But plastic doesn't do that. It doesn't decay and, and return to the earth. So they said, it's up to us to find a way to complete it. We made it, but we, it's incomplete because somehow we got, we forgot that that's how nature works and that's how the system is. And it was just, it was like, again, these things that the animals say, you go, whoa, wow, what an incredible concept that if we, the whole idea of sustainability and reciprocity as the native people, you know, practiced, sustained every sustained life all over the planet. And then we somehow got disconnected. And that's a very sad thing that I don't understand. But um, we, as we wake up and become more conscious and aware, I do believe, and this is where my optimism runs, is that we will find the answers to things that we don't have the answers for yet. But it's through that connection and awareness. I mean, look at the things we've learned about quantum energy recently, right? Yeah. 20 years ago, that we didn't believe that. It was a whole nother paradigm. Now we are open to this other paradigm that everything is energy. And it's starting to affect how we behave because now we know, you know, here we are across the world from each other and we're completely connected. I love what you have behind you, your left brain and right brain. Um, <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, Cause that's really, it's about, we need to be complete people. But we, we've done too much with, uh, you know, the, the, the um, putting that left brain activity on a pedestal without the balance of the right. Yeah. And that's what's gotten us into big trouble. And the right brain, of course, I would say, is the connection with the heart. That's how the heart expresses in this area right here is through that. So we can talk about lots of things. Yeah, <laughs> right? yes. You know, Kate Celisi, it's been wonderful talking to you. And on behalf of all the animals, you know, be it spiritually, energetically, you know, physically, for all the pet parents and, you know, that you have helped on behalf of everyone, you know, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, you know, for what you do, because your your mission is something that I, I think is very important. You know, and I, you know, and I hope whoever's listening to this, I'll be putting down all the links for Kate's, um, you know, her her website and the kinship and everything, the fellowship that she does, you know, um, and I encourage you to join her because, you know, what she does is very profound. Um, and I think, honestly, it'll make you a better, a better animal guardian, a better human being. Mm -hmm. And your animals will love you for it. <laughs> and you will, will. you will have better conversations with them after this. 
Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Amherst, thank you. It was a joy to be with you. Thank you for that beautiful, beautiful compliment. And I would love to have a conversation again. We can talk more about the wisdom of the wild ones and ways they can help us um, break free from our stuckness. <laughs> and, um, and so I'd love whatever, again, whatever topic that you think you'd like to talk more about or your listeners would love to hear more about. And please, let me know when your podcast comes out so I can share it with my community because I want them to know you <laughs> and you know access your other wonderful interviews with, you know, I, as I said, I just saw a few of them and I went, oh, she's interviewing such interesting people that I don't know about. Jane. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again. Well, it's been a joy. Yeah. It's been so much. Well, so love to you and all your 12 cats and one dog. <laughs> Thank and you. thank you for all the work you, you're doing with the, with the kitties and the rescuing and teaching people about healthy diets and all that good stuff. So you're doing beautiful work in the world too. Thank you. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone. <laughs>